You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 75. Hey guys, so this week we have a birth story. Haven't had a birth story in a a few weeks, but we're having a pretty cool birth story this week. So my friend Stephanie has been on the podcast before. She talked on an earlier episode all about doula care because she's a doula, but we had her back on the podcast because she's actually got a really, really cool birth story. So I'm sure you know, because I posted on it recently, that twins don't have to be born via C-section. They can definitely be born vaginally. Kind of depends on which way for the baby A is positioned. That's really the main thing. Um, there's a couple other factors that play into it, but that's the main, main factor. But yeah, twins can definitely be born vaginally. But did you know that sometimes you can have one twin born vaginally and then the other one born via C-section. And that's exactly what happened to Stephanie. (laughs) So she just shared her story and I think it's such a cool story. She came away from the experience with a very, very positive attitude and I think that's amazing. And you'll hear her um, explain that in detail and I just, I think it was just wonderful. Because a lot of times, at least in my experience, that I've seen women have this similar experience, having one twin born vaginally and having one twin born as as a C-section, it's, it can be a negative experience. So I love that Stephanie shared her story and she shared it in a very, very positive light. So yeah, I'm not going to spoil any details. Um, She's a great storyteller. (laughs) So let's get right into Stephanie's birth story of her twins. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast was brought to you by Mommy Labor Nurse. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So good to see you again. Yeah, I know. So you were a former guest on the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast. We talked about all things doula on your last episode. Um, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe just, you know, you can talk a little bit about that and then we can talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks again for having me. My name is Stephanie Sinclair. I am a wife and a mom of three, including twins. I'm also a business owner and a birth doula. We have a 
birth agency here in the Twin Cities um, in Minnesota, and also just a really beautiful motherhood community. Um, It was really important to me after becoming a mom to kind of find my tribe when this journey felt incredibly overwhelming and beautiful at the same time. Um, And so, yeah, my days are busy spent with my kids and also running a business and supporting moms through their pregnancy, birth and postpartum journeys. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So if you guys want to go back and listen to Stephanie's first episode where we talked about all things doula, it's episode 43. And yeah, we just we had a nice little conversation. We talked about a lot of different stuff. And I know I get a lot of questions about doulas and just like, what do they do? What are their roles? So we just really deep dived into that topic. So yeah, if anybody's interested in Stephanie's first episode, check out episode 43. So today we are going to talk about your birth story of your twins. So if you want to go back, Stephanie, usually what I tell people to do is kind of go back to the beginning, um, wherever it feels, feels natural for you to kind of start. If you want to talk about getting pregnant or, you know, kind of if you had any issues with infertility or losses or anything like that, whatever feels right. Um, and then, yeah, we can kind of go into birth story. Awesome. Yeah. No. And if it's okay, I'd like to even start with my oldest. So it really just, yeah, well, there's three kids and three very different births. Um, the journey always, the journey starts, you know, back eight years ago. And I love birth stories, (laughs) obviously being a birth doula. Um, But through my own journey is kind of what brought me to to birth and to serve. But um, yeah, I I love I love hearing birth stories. And I love sharing mine because I feel like we can always learn and heal from talking birth stories. So yeah, um, yeah, thanks for having me. So Mackenzie, I can't believe this. She's going to be eight in June. Um, My husband and I were ready to have kids right after we got married 10 years ago. And we had issues getting pregnant and we entered this fertility journey. Um, And so it started actually with a couple um, unfortunate um, situations where even through treatments, we were not getting pregnant through medications and injections and things like that. And so I was actually kind of to like what felt like at the time, my breaking point I was yeah. very optimistic going into treatments. And then all of a sudden, I, it just all felt dark and heavy. And I was almost like, I was mad at the world. And I was like, this yeah. isn't working. Um, and it was actually through that treatment of that month, we had taken a couple months off. And then we were like, okay, let's try again. And I went into it thinking like, this isn't going to work. And that was the month that we had our positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was just a already emotional, heavy, overwhelming journey to start with. But then we were over the moon excited about um, our positive pregnancy test. And really, I had a very uncomplicated pregnancy. Um, Obviously, it was my first one, I didn't know any different, but things went very, very smoothly. And it wasn't until I gave birth that I actually realized kind of how complicated the pregnancy and birth was and could have been. Um, And a lot of answers actually came from my placenta after I birthed that. And so, yeah, it was all very interesting. But I was about 39 weeks and three days. I actually had a very productive day at work that day. I felt like I had wrapped everything up, which was Mm -hmm. funny because going home, I was like, okay, I feel like anytime it could happen and I would feel good and prepared for it. Came home that night. It was a busy night at my household. I like sold my car. 
I got a massage, like all these things were happening at home. And finally at like 10 PM, I was like, okay, I got to get some sleep. And so my husband and I went to bed and it's just so funny because you're just in that time of pregnancy or like it could happen today or it could happen in weeks. And I just feel like that's such a mind game. Um, But I went to bed that night. I was sound asleep. And at 2 a.m., my water broke. And it was the loudest internal pop I was not expecting. I can tell you, I, I, you know how many times I, I've ne- I haven't, I had my water break both times in labor by my providers, but I've not had it break on its own. And you, I like, and you probably know this too, but like, I've had so many people say that, that you hear it pop. Like it's like a water balloon and you, you hear it pop inside. Yeah. It was something I very was, common. Something And too, like as a first time mom, everybody's like, most likely your water won't break, you know, first. Yeah. And so I just wasn't <laughs> expecting it. I had never heard of like this internal pop, but yeah. it actually was so loud that it woke my husband up and he was what? like, he was like, what was that? That's <laughs> and I was crazy. Like, I think my water just broke. And so being just a, you know, typical first time mom, I got incredibly excited and anxious and I'm like yeah. running around the house and he's like, will you just go sit on the toilet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is getting a little, you know, messy. And so, yeah. I called my provider, I called my doula and the, you know, my provider said, why don't you get something to eat, take a shower and make your way in, in the next couple of hours. And so that was the plan, but the whole excitement I think caught up to me and I laid down on the couch and I actually fell asleep for a couple hours and it was like the best nap going into it. And I was really happy that that happened because I think I was just running on so much adrenaline, but We got to the hospital about 10 a.m. They put me in triage and they did a swab and it kept coming back negative for amniotic fluid. Hmm. And of course, you know, it's the questions of, do you think maybe it could have been urine? urine? Like, are you sure your water broke? And both my husband and I are like, we are like certain my water broke. Yeah. Um, And so we sat there for a couple more hours. They sent us down to ultrasound to check fluid levels. I still had a ton of fluid. And so we were just like, what the heck, you know, and the contractions were definitely not active um, labor. And so we're kind of chatting with my midwife. And then all of a sudden, I had another big gush. And she checked and it was full of meconium. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh, okay, so we'll admit you. And I was like, what the heck, you know, so I believe what happened is maybe um, Mackenzie dropped a little bit further. And because I waited so long, there just was no amniotic fluid right there. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to tell, but that I feel like that does also happen uh, frequently where people come in. It's like, okay, this test isn't coming back positive and this one, but they're like, no, I swear, (laughs) like this is not pee, you know? So it was like everywhere. Um, So they checked us into a room. I still, I was having like, you know, pressure contractions, but nothing, um, nothing very strong. And so my husband and I, this was pre COVID, we just started walking and walking and walking and we would take breaks and talk about, you know, our future. And it was just a really kind of slow paced day. And I was really enjoying the moment. And um, then my midwife came and chatted with me and we started talking about possibly um, using Pitocin to try and pick things up a little bit. And at the time I had done my own research and I had a doula and I was just not wanting to go that route. I really wanted my body to enter labor on its own. And so we did some other techniques. And at about 6 p.m., I had my first real 
active, painful contraction. And I will never, ever forget that feeling of like, oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, real oh, deal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This does feel very different is exactly, <laughs> I think my response. And so yeah, really it was a pretty straightforward labor. Um, we got into the tub. I labored for a good six hours. I was progressing. I remember my husband and doula telling me that I was doing such a great job, but internally I was like, I'm not well in, in my mind. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm feeling like this is really, really, really hard. And so yeah. at that point, it was like in the middle of the night and they suggested a sleep aid because of my water breaking the night before they were like, we want you to get some sleep. And so we tried that. I remember laying down and instead of sleeping, I could hear my husband snoring and my face was itching <laughs> from the oh. medication. So I was like, oh, okay, this is even worse, you know? This, yeah, this is not fun at all. <laughs> not fun. And so we had a really great conversation with our midwife and it felt like it was the right time to get an epidural so I could get some sleep. And actually be able to have the energy to push Mackenzie out. And so it was great plan. I went to sleep. I got probably a four or five chunk hour of sleep, um, four to five hours of sleep. And I woke up and I had so much energy and they checked my cervix and I was fully dilated at 7 a.m. And I was like, okay, I want to brush my teeth and brush my hair. Like, I don't know why, but that, (laughs) that went through my mind. And so, um, It was at that time that everything got set up and I started pushing. And in that moment, both her heart rate started to struggle and I spiked a fever from the meconium. And so it got a little bit hairy there for a moment. But I remember my midwife who came on at 7 a.m. She was the one in clinic that I was like, she just wasn't like the softest. She didn't have the softest approach. And I remember thinking, Oh, I really loved a lot of the other midwives, but it was so interesting because she was exactly who I needed in that moment because she just looked me straight in the eyes and she said, you need to push your baby out and soon. And that was exactly what I needed to hear to like, just get that momentum. And Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't believe it. I only pushed for like 25 minutes. Um, And Mackenzie was born. She went to the warmer. She cried right away. They did some suctioning, but really she recovered just fine after the meconium and they put her on my chest and, you know, just, I was very overwhelmed with the fact that she was this real baby. And I felt like I'd waited so long for that moment. And I was almost in this disbelief. Um, But after she was born, I birthed my placenta and that's where things got really interesting because I always said, she was my miracle child, which she still is. But I just quite, I didn't quite understand to what depth until we um, saw the placenta. So I first had a marginal cord, which isn't super rare, but um, I also had a valamentous cord. And so that's obviously where um, the vessels aren't protected by the umbilical tissue. And so that was mm-hmm. interesting. But then instead of having like the standard three blood vessels, I actually had six. Um, Yeah. And then I also had, I I call it like a multi-lobe placenta, but basically lobes grew outside of like the main body of the placenta. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like these three different, very interesting um, discoveries. And I have a theory that my body after the medications um, prepared for more than one baby. I was just going to say, I was like, I wonder if our theories are similar. Maybe you had a vanishing twin in the beginning or something. 
Exactly. And I just, I feel like it proved even more to my theory when I got pregnant with twins. And so here I have this beautiful, perfect baby who I had been waiting for and gone through fertility with, but then realizing afterwards that, you know, these vessels were exposed and she, and I did, I had actually bleeding at 12 weeks where I thought I was miscarrying. And so I really feel like my other two mature eggs that I had, because I had a total of three when we did the Mm -hmm. IUI, that sometime during fertilization or implantation that they just didn't take. And my body kind of got rid of that tissue because Mm -hmm. she was totally fine. She was fine the entire pregnancy. Um, So I just, that story to me was always like, wow, like she is totally meant, she's meant to be here because she went through a lot um, for that to happen. Yeah, that's a lot of different things, uh, different barriers. And I'm glad that she was okay because those things can can be issues for sure. Yeah. And you just sometimes they catch it on ultrasound. Other times they don't. They didn't yeah. for us, which I'm glad. I think I would have yeah. maybe been a little bit more on edge. But yeah, um, yeah to just discover that her placenta and, and know that, you know, she made it out just fine. So that was our first birth story. It was, to me, pretty straightforward. Um, but very empowering. I just felt like I was really included. And so is my husband in the birth process. And that's what led me to the birth work that I do. But then a couple years after um, we had Mackenzie, she was three, and we decided to go through treatment again. Um, And it was completely different. Because with Mackenzie, like I said, it was three rounds of IUI treatment for us to get a successful pregnancy test. But with the twins, I went in and like every step went so perfectly. I almost was like just waiting for the shoe to drop. I was like, this is just going too smooth. You know, you just don't normally see that. Um, Mm -hmm. So we went in for our IUI and that night I, I felt things. I don't know if it's because it was my second pregnancy that I was a little bit more in tune, um, Mm -hmm. maybe a little less negative with this round, but I was like, Oh my, like, I felt like I could feel implantation. It was, it was bizarre. Hmm. Um, and so we took a pregnancy test a couple of weeks later and it was positive. Um, and then we went in for, um, blood work and my numbers were so high. I'm talking like 10 times higher, my ACG levels than with Mackenzie. It was like 2,500 or something. Okay. Um, so you had a hunch, I guess at this point. I did. And all my friends, you know, I feel like everybody was like, oh my goodness, you for and my husband's like, I knew it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially after mm-hmm. Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went in for the ultrasound and we actually brought Mackenzie with us because it was the three of us for three years. We were just that's yeah. how we rolled. And so she was in with the ultrasound tech and um going into it, I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if we were having twins? And my husband's like, I'm just praying for one healthy baby. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's all we can do, you know? And yeah. so we went in and the ultrasound tech started looking around and she said, yep, there's one healthy baby in there. And we were like, okay. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, wait, nope, there's two. Like one was <laughs> the other. And so that's how we announced our pregnancy. My daughter would literally say exactly what the text said. (laughs) Um, And so in that moment, I started crying because I was like, how am I going to carry two babies? How am I going to birth two babies? Like, yeah. And my husband's like, okay, we can do this. And it was like our roles reversed walking into that office and then walking out. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, and so same with that pregnancy. I had a super healthy pregnancy, no complications really. Um, I had a couple moments where I would almost like faint or lose, like go in and out of consciousness. Yeah. I think at first it was cause I was kind of cutting off, um, airway with my big belly, mm-hmm. the way that I would mm-hmm. fit. Um, okay. but then later on in my pregnancy, I think I was about 33, 34 weeks. Um, twin a was head down, which was awesome. That meant I could go for a vaginal birth. Um, Mm -hmm. but twin B was breach, which my doctor still felt comfortable doing a vaginal birth and that he would deliver twin B breach. Um, but ideally I was wanting both to be head down just because that made me feel better about delivery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so at about 33, 34 weeks, I couldn't fall asleep. I just felt off. Something felt weird. Um, I told my husband I had to go to the bathroom. I went into the bathroom and I have just this huge motion in my stomach happened and Mm. I I just got really dizzy, um, lightheaded. And I believe in that moment because our next ultrasound twin B was head down. Mm. So I think she made her move that night. I I felt it. I mean, I'm only five one, so I don't have a lot of room. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So, so it was like a big movement for my body to, yeah. to take. Um, and so anyway, so everybody, of course, talks about expecting to go early with twins. And um, you have those discussions with your provider. I was treating with an OB because with twin pregnancies, they're considered high risk. And so I couldn't um, treat with midwives. There's one group here in the Twin Cities, but um, I loved my doctor. And We just kept waiting for these babies and they were like happy as can be in my belly. And so I basically like rolled into the doctor's office at 38 weeks. I was huge with two big babies in my belly. And I remember just thinking I wanted my babies to be for sure five pounds, but I really wanted six pounds because I just wanted to be able to bring them home after we delivered. And so I was feeling really good about where we were at and I kept having contractions at night, but then nothing would pick up and then it would stall during the day. And so it was like every night I was like, is this happening? Is this it? And then nothing would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing all the things, going to the chiropractor, going to the acupuncturist. Um, And so I definitely felt like my body was preparing. And so when I met with my doctor at 38 and two, um, he suggested that we, he thought that twin A was low enough where he'd be able to just break his water and see if that would put me into labor. And so we felt good about the plan. We checked into um, the hospital the next morning when I was 38 and four. And when my doctor came to check me, uh, Deacon had gone a little bit higher. And so he didn't feel comfortable breaking my water at that time. And so we just started with a very, very low dose of Pitocin. Um, We were doing a bunch of spinning baby techniques. Um, lunging, squatting, eating, talking, resting, you know, just like kind of the typical induction um, process, but it was very, very smooth and light. And they were really, you know, trying to allow my body to to just take over. And I was so happy about that. Um, And so things were picking up, but I just still was not quite in active labor. And so I called my parents and I actually had them bring my daughter to the hospital, which was incredibly emotional. Um, but I, I really believe that it was like her love and snuggles 
and just yeah. seeing her one more time before meeting the babies that literally put me into full-blown labor. Well, that's straight the best form of oxytocin that there is, right? I mean, absolutely. It was hey. like <laughs> it was so amazing to to experience and, you know, for my doula to witness because like I said, I was like almost there. I think by yeah. that point, um my doctor had broke my water. Um but I just still, I wasn't in that active stage of labor. And oh my goodness, it was, I almost, I, I think I looked at my mom at one point and I was like, okay, now you guys have to leave because I'm like really in, I'm experiencing some painful contractions now. Yeah. Like, oh, it's really gearing up now. Okay. Thanks. You did your job. Now uh, see you later. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally did its job. And so um, it was really important for me. I was really wanting to, um, have an unmedicated birth with the twins for a couple different reasons. And of course, like this is always a personal choice. There's no right or wrong. Um, But personally and professionally, I really wanted to a feel that urge to push, you know, Mm -hmm. I had been supporting families for three and a half years at that point. And I had never experienced unmedicated birth. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it was, kind of a desire to be able to feel what my clients were feeling when I was supporting Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I was like, I just remember thinking after Mackenzie, I was really happy with how it went, but I was desiring to feel all the steps of labor. And so um, that was something that my doula was really able to help with. um, Even though, you know, when active labor started and I was in the throes of labor, I was like, okay, I I want that epidural, Mm -hmm. (laughs) please. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but his labor actually was, um, you know, pretty short. I was actively laboring for about four and a half to maybe five and a half hours. Um, things were going really well. I did utilize nitrous oxide. Um, but we were just in such a flow. My husband was kind of right there, um, helping with music and giving me encouragement and talking me through, my doula was applying um, counter pressure. And it just it just was this beautiful moment where I was kind of just left to labor. um, And to achieve, you know, what I had sought going into that birth. And so I recall, um, you know, needing to go to the bathroom, and my doula walked with me and we sat on the I sat on the toilet for a couple contractions, which is something as a doula, obviously, we always promote. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was through those last couple of contractions that I stood up and I was just pushing Mm -hmm. and it was that urge to push. And it is so memorable what that feels like. And I was Mm -hmm. so excited to be feeling it. And it was really also amazing to feel that shift of like these painful contractions. And then all of a sudden that pushing felt like a relief. Mm -hmm. It felt so good to be pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was still requesting an epidural (laughs) through all that. So was I, man. At the very end, it's hard. Yeah, and and very common. It was a blessing because the anesthesiologist did come to the room, and for whatever reason, um, because you never, you kind of always see different policies and procedures. But he said I needed to not have the nitrous for fifteen minutes before he would administer the epidural. Mm -hmm. Which at the time I was like, "You're not taking the nitrous." Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no way I can go 15 minutes without this. So, okay. See you later. I'll just continue to do this. Exactly. So I was like, okay, nope, we're not going to go that route. 
Um, so yeah. then my doctor came in and he checked me and I was about nine centimeters. And so he said, you know, forget the epidural. Let's go have these babies. And I was like, all yeah. right. Well, be, I don't know how it is um, where you're from, but we have to deliver uh, most providers have you deliver twins in the OR. Yeah, that's how we are too. Okay. So I got in the bed. They started wheeling me down the hallway to the OR. I was like, all right, we're here. I'm kind of naturally just pushing through these contractions. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I need that nitrous. And they're like, oh, the nitrous can't come in the OR. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I just turned down the epidural. Yeah. Yeah. So And again, my doctor, he's like, let's just have some babies. Like, let's just do this already. And so we get into the OR. Everybody was so great. The room was filled, obviously, at this point, because there's two nurses for each baby. I had two nurses, my doc, my doula, my husband. And I pushed for about 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, twin A, my baby boy, is on my chest, pees on me within seconds. Yeah, because they do that. (laughs) And it's just like this perfect, beautiful little boy. And I remember taking these moments of just getting to know him and looking at him and just falling in love. And then all of a sudden remembering that, like, I still have another baby to have. Yeah. (laughs) And at that point, I looked down at my belly. And it was very interesting because I read all these stories. and a lot of times twin B kind of just follows suit and labors down behind twin A. The way she was positioned in my belly, I could tell she was not anywhere near my pelvis. She was very high and she Uh was like this little ball on my right side. Um, I think he Mm -hmm. had taken up a lot of the space and she kind of found herself in this little ball, um, small area in my belly And I remember looking at my husband and I was like, this isn't good. I just, I just kind of knew right away, like something's not right. Why is she so high? Mm -hmm. And at the time, my doctor, like I said, he was so respectful of my wishes. Um, I remember him telling me when I told him I did not want to have an epidural that he said, I 100% support that. I just want you to know that if an emergency C-section is called and you don't have an epidural, we'll have to use general anesthesia. Yeah. And so, but nothing was wrong. Everybody was doing well. I was doing well. My baby B was doing well. And so he said, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. Everything's fine. They did an ultrasound to kind of see her position. Um, and he just said, let's just turn. We turned up the Pitocin, I remember, because my uterus, of course, was feeling tired at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he had me push through the contractions. And I remember telling him, this doesn't feel right. Because yeah. with Deacon, it felt so good to push. And with Brittany, yeah. it hurt. And I just was like, something's not right. It doesn't feel good to push. Ugh, I like, know what that feels like. Yeah. To push like when you're you were like, I'm just trying to push because like, I know I want to push, but I don't really want to push. And yeah, that's not very, fun. yeah, it's a very different feeling. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, that's fine. Don't, we don't need you to push. Um, and so at that, so Deacon was born at nine 11, I think he was on my chest until like, I don't know, probably nine 30. Then they took mm-hmm. him to the warmer so I could just focus on Brinley. Um, but I remember in that, like the instant I started laboring just Brinley, it felt like my back was shattered. 
I just remember I kept mm-hmm. saying my back feels broken. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do with her position yeah. compared to Deacon. Um, yeah. And I just kept saying I wanted to get up. And unfortunately, my provider just didn't feel comfortable with me getting up because I still had a placenta from Brinley. Um, I'm sorry, from Deacon. And so he's like, I just don't know how we can really modify that. And so my doula suggested that I kind of roll on my side, which did help because then she could apply some counter pressure. And then my nurse, I think she was feeling so bad for me because we all just thought this second baby would come quickly after that at 1030. She went, I don't know where she went, but she got a bunch of extension cords and got me nitrous. Oh, good. <laughs> like everybody was just trying so hard because they were like, oh my gosh, you're like, yeah, you know, we just didn't anticipate this part of the birth. And so they got me nitrous. I was feeling okay by then. Um, I was like, okay, let's kind of revamp. Let's start over. Let's get this baby down. And she did labor down. She finally entered the pelvis. um, And we were at about, I don't know, maybe 11 p.m. at this point. And I remember saying, is she going to be born on a different day? And this nurse, like, I think she was obviously just trying to encourage me. But she said, oh, there's no way you're still going to. I know. You don't ever say that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, she jinxed me. She's like, oh, there's no way that you'll still be here at mm. midnight. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I sure hope not, you know? And yeah. so my doctor is just still sitting there supporting me, watching the monitor, watching Brinley's heartbeat, heart rate, making sure she, he, he kept saying, you know, now obviously there's some dips during the contractions, but she's recovering. Your vitals are fine. We just have to keep doing what we're doing. And so we did that for another um, probably half hour or so. And she had made some progress, but just not enough. And her heart rate just kept getting lower and lower. And I remember at one point, my husband looking at me and saying, you need to push and you need to push her now. And I was like, dude, that's what I've been doing for two hours. Like, I'm trying, you know, I just remember being like, and I, it was all because he was, he could tell what was happening in the room, obviously more than I could. And then it was at that time that um, a nurse came up to me and said, we just want to check in with you to see what you would like us to do. But Deacon's really hungry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, people like, (laughs) and they did it because they were being so respectful and they knew I wanted to breastfeed Um, Like, I don't know what to do. And that was like the start of twin parenting. Like this baby needs this, but I'm kind of busy with this baby right now. (laughs) That is so funny. Like, you're right. Like, oh, I need to feed my first baby. But oh, wait, I got to push my other baby out. There's there's only one of me, right? What a great. (laughs) You'll say that to my twins to this day. There's only one of me. I'm trying my best here. Um, and so we tried to express some colostrum while I'm pushing and we didn't have success with that. And so then they, um, had my mom, I believe feed Deacon his first bottle of, um, donor milk. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little bit emotional at that point because I knew kind of what was happening with my son and that I wasn't with him. I was worried about Brinley and I was also tired and just like, done myself. 
Um, and so we kept trying. And then uh, my doctor asked how I felt about um, attempting the vacuum to see if he could help assist her to be born. And at yeah. that point, I was like, absolutely, let's let's give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and so he attached the vacuum. We worked together. I started pushing and you heard this loud pop. And it was mm. like, okay, that vacuum, it came off. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and he said, okay, I, I feel comfortable doing it one more time. But then we kind of, we have to reassess where we're at. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So we tried it one more time. And again, like I'm feeling everything. Yeah. Um, and her heart rate dipped to the fifties and it didn't recover. Yeah. And oh. so he looked at me at this point, you know, everybody in the room is already prepped and ready for the C-section. And he said, Stephanie, we got to Like, it's time, you know, it's time for her to be born. I'm like, okay. And I was, I was totally accepting of it. Um, I don't remember saying goodbye to my doula or my husband because it was such a quick call because he yeah. let me go, I think to the, to the very, very end where it was like, it was, it was needed to happen that second. Everything yeah. happened so quickly. They put me on the surgical table and I remember everybody being so busy around me and I desperately looked for somebody and this anesthesiologist looked at me and I said, I'm still in labor. I can still feel everything right now. And I have nobody with me. Uh, you know, there's so yeah. many people in the room, but there's nobody like with me. Right. Right. And this sweet woman just put her hands on my cheeks and she said, just breathe with me. And she looked me in the eye and just said, and I was like, thank goodness. Like I yeah. just needed somebody to just help me breathe through. Cause I think there was so much happening, but yet I was still just, I was laboring. Yeah, they forgot that you were you were still in labor. Everybody was, you know, this person's working on getting you numb over here. This person's working on prepping over here. This person's working on charting. And like somebody just kind of forgot that, hey, like we still need to support mom here. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it was only that brief moment that, um, you know, I was feeling alone. But otherwise, I had such an incredible team and the staff. Good. They were wonderful. Um, and then right before um, they put me under general anesthesia, which again, I didn't really think through what that would mean, um, because I was mm -hmm. hoping that wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. My doctor came over and he looked at me and he said, you're going to be okay. And so is your baby. And I was like, okay. And it was in that moment where I talked to my clients a lot about surrendering. And I just had mm -hmm. to surrender everything. I did everything that I could. And at this point, I had to put the trust into the doctor that I chose for a reason and just surrender her story. Yeah. Um, and that was the last moment I really remember. Um, I woke up in recovery um, about two and a half hours. And so my son was born at 9, 11 PM. They brought her, brought him, when they brought him to the warmer, I said, how much does he weigh? And they said six pounds, nine ounces. And I remember thinking, that is so awesome. Like, I'm so glad he weighs, like he's just he's this a big full term baby, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when I woke up in recovery, the nurse was right there with me. Um, right away, I said, is my baby okay? I remember saying, and she said, yes, she's perfect. And I said, how much does she weigh? And she said, seven pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I swore. I think I was like, holy yeah. 
Hannah. Um, <laughs> I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe it. I was expecting another six pounder or I was hoping for another six pounder. Yeah. I had no idea that my twin B would be the biggest baby I had birthed, even my single twin. <laughs> Um, and so they wheeled me back to the room and it was just a very emotional moment. I know that my husband was very, very concerned. My doula said he wouldn't like talk. He wouldn't eat. He just sat there. Um, she was very good about, uh, my doula was very great about advocating that only Brian would hold her until I was back in the room so that, you know, she could essentially meet her parents only, you know, for the first moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when they wheeled me into the room, I was very out of it still. But um, Brian handed me Brinley and she was the chunkiest, cutest, like my, my other babies have always been kind of slender. And Brinley just had those cheeks. She was born with a dimple, but only on one side. Um, (laughs) She looked kind of mad, but she was beautiful. Well, you know, she kind of went through a little, she, she can be, it's okay for her to be a little mad. And I I would be mad if I were her. I would be mad too. And I asked my doctor, I said, what was she like when she was born? And and he said the same thing. She was a little upset and she let us know, but she was fine. And she actually came out with a bump or a bruise or both. I can't remember exactly on her forehead And so I think what happened when she went head down, she didn't fully go all the way vertex. I think she got a little stuck. And I think when I was laboring and pushing her, I believe she was sunny side up. Banging her head against that pelvis. (laughs) Which is why I think the vacuum attached to her forehead and not the crown of her head. Yeah. Um, But it was... It was incredible, not only because they have two very, very, very different births, but now I've experienced three completely different births, two vaginal, one medicated, one unmedicated, and a C-section. And I was, you know, it took me a while to kind of digest what had happened, Um, you know, just not really looking forward to recovering from both a vaginal and a C-section birth. Um, But I'm such a believer in a lot of times things happen for reasons. Um, Right before we had our twins, I changed Brinley's middle name. She was supposed to have my grandmother's name for her middle name. And Mm -hmm. we decided to name her Brinley Rose instead. Mm -hmm. And so when we went in to get induced on March 16th, um, I feel like my grandma, who was like this, um, fun Irish St. Patty's loving type of green haired woman was <laughs> like, if you're not going to give her my name, she's going to be born on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> That's so great because the what at the time we're recording this, like St. Patrick's Day was just a few days ago too. <laughs> and my twins are four. We just celebrated their four yeah. birthdays, and so when you know when we were. I feel like when we're able to kind of digest our birth stories and kind of think through it all multiple times, it was kind of that story that gave me the acceptance of like, this was all the, this was the plan all along. I also remember my doctor saying, think how many more women you're going to be able to support because of having three very different 
different birth experiences. And it, and it is, I just got chills. I just got chills. Yeah. It's, it is so, I, and again, it just all helped me, you know, with just accepting their birth stories. And I know it's not always like that for everybody. um, But for me, it kind of took putting those stories together to really help me accept what had happened. And now knowing Brinley, I mean, she would totally not want to share a day with her brother. (laughs) (laughs) She just has that kind of kind of personality. (laughs) She does her own thing. She, you know, marches to the beat of her own drum and she doesn't care what anybody thinks about any of it. And so it just, it makes perfect sense. But I cannot tell you every school call, every doctor's appointment, like everything, everybody says, oh, you must've had your twins right around midnight. And I say, well, one of them, the other one was born at 9 p.m. And the other was born at 12.04. And they're like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) They think think I put the birthday dates down wrong. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like that. I mean, yeah, it's happened certainly before when twins go at around midnight. But I don't know that I can think of a time when it was that. And they both had different birthdays. Like I've definitely had situations where it's been similar like that, where it's been hours, but I don't know that I've had a situation where, where it was like hours and then it's like a different birthday. So that's pretty darn unique. It is very unique. And we, we love it now. We love the story. Um, I just, and I remember reading when I was preparing for their birth, I remember reading stories where there were hours in between Mm -hmm you know, the birth of twins, but I just, of course, like, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think it's going to happen to you. You're like, Oh no, this is how, you know, you, maybe it's at 30 minutes or an hour or something, but not three, three hours. Yes. Quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my birth stories. And I just, um, I love sharing the stories. I love hearing other people's birth stories, which is why I think this is so fun to feature birth stories. Yeah. And I really do believe that when we listen to others, other stories that we, we learn something through every, every birth yeah. story because they're just all unique in their own special way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on and sharing all that. That was a lot you gave. Hey, you like like you said, you got a little taste of each. So we just heard, we just heard every kind of birth story that there, yeah. <laughs> every yeah, kind of way my baby can be born. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, can you remind our listeners where they can find you on social media if they want to follow along? Yeah, I would love to. We are on Facebook and Instagram at how to mom with the number two. We would absolutely love you to be a part of our community. Um, we're just all about educating and supporting moms, no matter what stage of motherhood you are in. We also have our website, um, which is www.howtomom.com with the number two again. Um, And yeah, we love to share different stories and blogs on that platform. And yeah, we just, and we love to hear stories of other moms and what they've been through too. So we always say, please reach out. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. 
Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.